Welcome to the Positive Sports Podcast. I'll be your host this evening, Ed Montana. Alongside me today, my, my socially distanced brother, my very pandemic responsible brother, Alex. Alex, how you doing, buddy? Man, my beard is looking. Look at that. Look at that. Look, I don't nice want to hear about your beard. Look at that shape up, bro. Look at the shape up. I mean, it's beautiful. I don't want to hear about your beard because you told me that you were not going to cut any hair during this freaking lockdown thing. And I saw you the other day and you had shaved your head again. So I call bullshit because I wanted to see, I wanted you to go on full on Chia Pet like I am right here. You see this? Well, I have gone. This right here? This is no trim. 35 days, not a trim. Not even a trim. Well, look, I mean, you know me better than everybody. and, And for our listeners out there, when the hell do I tell the truth? I'm very disappointed. Well, I had to shave the head, but I have I haven't touched the beard. Yeah, but you shaped it up. You just said. Well, yeah, you gotta shape it up, but nah, I haven't touched it. No, no, you gotta let that shit grow over your lips, so that when you're drinking milk, you got the fucking the milk mustache and stuff like that. See, I I can tell you're sloppy because when you eat spaghetti or anything that has to do with tomato sauce, it's all over your beard. Dude, if I have spaghetti, I have spaghetti for dinner. Breakfast the next day and lunch. <laughs> That's not a bad choice. Spaghetti is one of those meals that you can actually, it's best the next day. For me, to me. I'm not a big pasta person, but I, I do like me some spaghetti every now and then. Spaghetti is good. It is good. It is, so is, uh, is everything cool with you during this, these virus times? I mean, everybody's safe and sound. You're not going crazy being at home all the time? No, uh, not surprisingly, no, not, none of us have gone crazy. Uh, you know, we're, uh, everybody's healthy, which I think is the most important thing here. Right. right. Uh, and, and everybody that I, um, uh, all my friends, family associates are healthy also. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. And, yeah. you know, like I said, bro, I'm just alone for the ride. Strap on the seatbelt, and, and down we go. Up. That's it. Yeah, That's I get the feeling that, you know, I keep hearing stuff that the ride's getting better, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that the ride was that bad to begin with, right? Because we're dealing with something we can't see. So I'm kind of like, all I know is the sooner we get back to normal, the sooner I can get rid of, the, get, get rid of McGruff over here. I, want, I, I think I, it may not make break. it. It may not make it. It may only, you know, like I said, it's been 35 days and it may not make it any further. It, it may be gone this week because I can't, I just can't deal with it anymore. I don't think. We'll see. I, I think you're going to break. I give it 10 more days. Ooh, if it lasts 10 more days, I'll be, I'll be impressed. I'm really five tops. I don't think I'll make it to the next podcast like this. Whoa, okay. Yeah, I just, I'm not a beard guy, especially when it's multicolored like this. Let's put those odds up in Vegas. How long, how much longer will Ed's uh, beard go? Shoot, I have no idea. I guess I could, if I could do that, I could make some money, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I 
telling you, man. Look, I've been com- look. There's two things that I've improved on during this pandemic and being at home and stuff like that is cooking and stocks, market, stock market. So I've I've become I, you you. I'll never be as good as I want to be with the stock market, right? Because it's so hard and it's all you know. It's just real wacky, especially right now. But I'm I'm learning. You know, you you, right. you learn as you go. But cooking. Cooking lasts for a lifetime, so <laughs> I've become a very a very good cook, and uh, so I, I'm on this uh, group text with my sister-in-laws and brother-in-laws, and then my wife, and like everything we cook, we text to each other. <laughs> it's like a cook-off war. So uh, you know, hey, best dish that you've made so far? Ooh, pork fried rice. I saw that one. It looked good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was had uh, peas in it, which I like. Yes, the eggs, yeah. chopped up eggs. Yeah, well, that look. It ain't. It ain't whatever fried rice if it ain't got some egg in it. That's bullshit. That's right. Right. That's like fake Chinese food if it ain't got. Yeah, yeah. Food in it. That's <laughs> bullshit. But yeah, I saw a picture of that it looked pretty good. Yeah. Like was- I said, the peas you don't get all the time. So I saw the peas in there. I was like, that's good. I like peas. You like the peas. Yep. Good deal. I have good. been um, I have been training better. I've been running pretty hard. My goal for this month, because I, you know, after the the first two weeks of this stay at home thing, I was kind of bummed out or whatever. I was like, okay, in April, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna make a running goal, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna push myself so that I can, you know, use this time for good, not evil, right? So instead of drinking, I decided I would. My goal was 150 miles this month. Okay. And as of today, I think I'm like four miles behind schedule, which I can make up any day because four miles behind schedule would mean I'd have to run nine miles one day instead of five. But I've been right around five a day. I was about to say, that should be fairly easy for you, five miles a day? Yeah, but I mean, with no, with, it's easy. Like, it is easy for me when I have a goal. So if there's a race out there that I'm training for, yeah, I can get six to 10 miles a day. I can get, you know, 50, 60 miles a week. I can do it. But when there's no race and because of the way things are, I don't, quite frankly, I don't think there's going to be any races in 2020. No. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to get motivated because if you think about it, those races are probably the last thing to come back, right? Because <clears throat> a race of any size, right, is going to be about, 500 to 1,000 to 2,000 people. And, yeah, once you get on the course, if it's a half marathon or a marathon or whatever, you know, it kind of thins out. But what about in the beginning, right, when everyone's in the corrals getting ready to start? What about packet pickup the day before? What about after the race, the post-race party? It's just, you know, I I just don't think events like that are going to come back anytime soon. it's a real bummer for people because there's a lot of big events out there. Quite coincidentally, today was supposed to be the Boston Marathon. They pushed that back to September. Um, you know, those people, there's a lot of people, you know, that had to qualify, that have been training hard. It's a bucket list item. It's a big deal for runners to run New York, Boston, London, whatever. And if all of that gets canceled for 2020, you know, who knows what's going to happen, uh, you know, next year. 
Yeah, are they going to let the people that qualified in 2020 run in 2021? Are you going to have to qualify again? What's going to happen? It's really kind of dicey. The other thing that's been real interesting is watching how different races are handling their cancellations, right? Mm -hmm. There are some races that are canceling and offering no refunds. There are some races that are canceling and offering partial refunds. You know, obviously they got to put money into it before, you know, they, they sink money into it immediately. And so, you know, now that, so I understand a partial refund, but there are companies that are like, F you, no refund. And I'm like, man, that's not cool. And quite frankly, like, I'm going to remember that. Like, when it comes to doing a race, I'm going to remember how some races treated runners now. And I'm going to be like, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not running your race. You're an sure. Yeah. So I've always said, you know, like I don't have a big voice, but I've got my own money and I can choose how I spend it. And that's my voice. So. So anyway. well, I, I had, I had purchased some tickets for um, the Mets and the Astros here at Minute Maid uh, April 7th. And uh, so they don't want to give me my refund back because, and, and, and technically they're right. And I'm not going to mention them because they don't want to give me my refund back. But I mean, technically they're right. The, the baseball season has been postponed, right? It hasn't been canceled. So the game, the game hasn't officially been canceled. Right. But, but I'm like, listen, if, if they start, they're not going to go back to replay the start of the season, they're going to start from whenever they start the season. Right. Right. And so they don't want to give me my refund back. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, then just mail me my tickets. I want my tickets then because I've already paid for them since you've already withdrawn the money. I've technically already paid for them. So I want to have them in hand. Um, and supposedly they're going to be mailing me the tickets. Mm. Uh, they have said that uh, when it's official that that game is canceled, that they will refund me my money. I believe that they will will refund me my yeah. money. You know, I just feel like I don't understand what they're holding out hope for the games in April well, to wanna, play in I think, June. I think they want to wait to see what the resolution is. Because it is possible, right? that they're going to start the season, let's say June 1st, but they're going to take the schedule from the beginning of the year and run it forward, right? I don't know. I think they're waiting until there's a final resolution. Right, right, yeah, I understand that. But I think, I think it's safe to say that they're not going to do that, especially it being an interleague game. I would assume they want to play more games, right, within the, right. Within the league and or divisions. Uh, yeah, but see, that's all stuff that they have to iron out. That's why they're, right, right. Like, they're not giving away the money. Now, what will be interesting, like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be fucked up if they said, okay, we're going to play 162 games. Let's just say, for argument's sake, just for the sake of this argument, let's say MLB comes up with a plan where they're going to play 162. They're going to play the full schedule starting May 15th. They're going to do seven-inning doubleheaders and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm to get 162 games in, right. but all teams will be in Florida or Arizona. And so then the Mets game will take place 
Correct. It take place in, in Florida. And then they don't so, refund you your money. Well, then at that point, I do two things. I go to my bank and I tell them fraud and <laughs> I report them to the uh, to BBB. Right. Better Business Bureau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I, I can't imagine that they would do that, but. I don't think so either. Yeah, but you know, look, I've heard stories. I, I mean, you and I are on Twitter quite a bit. I've seen several stories on Twitter about United Airlines canceling flights because there's no demand and then not giving money back for the few people that had bought tickets, which, you know, public service announcements, all of our fans out there, if you have purchased a plane ticket, do not cancel. Wait as long right. as possible because if the airline cancels it, they're required to give you your money back. If you cancel it, <clears throat> you don't get anything. Mm. So just FYI. That's one, that's one of those uh, fine print. That's something that would appear in a very fine print yeah. at the very bottom where nobody reads, right? So that's a good exactly. one there for the for uh, for everybody that's listening. Yeah, everybody's everybody's living and dying by that fine print now. Speaking of uh, United, the United Center in Chicago, where yeah. the Bulls play, the Last Dance. Wow. I think, did it feel like Christmas yesterday morning to you? A little bit. I was excited for that. I've been excited for that for days. Yeah. I was really looking forward to it. You and I made some comments via text about it. And I'll tell you what, the first two episodes I thought were fantastic. What'd you think? Yep. What, stuck, what stuck out to you the most from those first two episodes? Uh, a few things. I really like the production. Like I like how it wasn't in chronological order. Like they went, they jumped around and right. that kind of, that kind of kept you because look, the thing that I remember, I, I said this a while back, the thing about this documentary is that I, I, I feel like for me personally, we've heard a lot of the stories. Um, and but but yesterday I got a couple things that I, I didn't hear before, right? So that and I think them going back and forth like that just kept it even more entertaining. It's something different, right? Usually documentaries, at least for especially in sports, right? They go in, in, in chronological right. chronological order, right? So uh that stood out. Um Jerry Krause is probably the smallest guy with the biggest balls yet he is so disrespected like in that first 30 minutes you just saw how over time right uh he he, he wasn't that respected and you can you can tell from the things that you know the couple jabs that jordan you know threw at him yeah uh, and, and, something about know, diet pills and yeah you know. i wouldn't say he was disrespected as much as um, they just they, they didn't yeah well yeah I guess they did disrespect him but it was kind of a bit of man they just they really did not like him and and just over time they couldn't help but jab at him and quite frankly I the impression that I got from him was he really wanted to be part of the guys right like he wanted to be a part of the team like he 
he rode on the bus with the players. Like he mm-hmm. wanted to be, he wanted to hang out with MJ and all the cool kids. And MJ was one of the cool kids. Didn't want to hang out with the, with the, with the geeky kid. Yeah, but I, I just think over time, I, I think the, you know, so I forgot who mentioned it. It was, it was probably like in the first 10, 15 minutes of the doc, he had little man syndrome, you know, like that kid yeah. in school that used to get picked on. And I, and I think that's, that's something that really exists in our society today. Yeah. And I think he, you know, he was affected by that. And I think as the level of uh, success with, with the, within, you know, the Chicago Bulls got mm-hmm. really high, you know, maybe his position got to his head a little bit because to tell Phil Jackson, even if you go 82 and 0, I'm still firing you. Like that takes some balls to say, yeah. you know? And that's why I say over time, Jordan and Pippen, you know, he, 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 the respect that he had earned was gone because yeah. he was, you know, he was, he was set on breaking up something even though they still won. You know what I mean? And so that was really interesting. I mean, I I really never, I I never heard that side of, you know, his, of Jerry Krause before. I don't know if it was out there before, but I've never heard it. So I didn't know that. What, you know, he had the right idea, right? Because eventually you do have to break them up and rebuild because Michael Jordan wasn't going to play forever. Scottie Pippen wasn't going to play forever. Dennis Rodman wasn't going to play forever. So he had the right idea. At some point, you do have to break him up. But he pushed that agenda too soon, I think. Like if he had pushed that agenda after the sixth championship and let them go for a seventh, I think that would have made more sense. But he didn't. He was, you know, he after five, he thought he was done. I thought, eh, you know, that's kind of – he should have – I don't know. I guess it's always hard. We would have always looked poorly upon him for doing it when they were defending champions. And then if he'd have done it a year after they didn't win a championship, then we would be like, well, you were too late. You know what I mean? So it was a tough position for him. He was right. And quite frankly, I think, and you know, we got to let, we got to let the documentary play out a little bit. I think as the documentary goes on, I think we're going to see he's going to get a lot of credit for being the architect to put that team together, right? Like in the, in the second episode, when they talk about Scottie Pippen, they really give Krause quite a bit of credit about finding, finding Scottie Pippen and, 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 and saying, this is the guy that we need. Unfortunately, it's in an episode that focuses on Scottie Pippen and the focus on Scottie Pippen is about how he got shafted salary wise, which is, not even really Krause's fault. It's Reinsdorf's fault, you know, but that's just kind of the way it works. Um, going back to what you were saying about the fact that it wasn't done in chronological order, you and I talked about this a while back. We wondered how they were going to make 10 episodes about one season. Mm-hmm. And, and now we know it's not 10 episodes about one season. It's about looking at the entire dynasty, really, Right. Through the eyes of that one season, right? Because even when they take a look back, they do so 
based on what they are right now, right? So um, seeing Jordan sitting there talking about, uh, you know, how competitive he was and how he wanted to win at, at all costs, and they go back to when he was a kid, to his childhood, and they go back to his time at North Carolina, and they go back to 1984 when he first started with the Bulls. And so that back and forth, I think, is really, really interesting. And it's, at least for the first two episodes, it's done really well because they take something that's going on in that 97-98 season, and it morphs into something that happened previously that explains what's going on in this 97, 98 season. So I thought it was, I thought it was really good for the first two episodes. Uh, I'm really excited to see the rest of it. The thing that struck me was how um, two things, one, how, what a, and I didn't know this at the time, what a, joke of a franchise the Bulls were before Jordan got there, right? The, the Cocaine Circus or the Cocaine Express or whatever they called it. Right. Like, and, I, you know, it's hard for me to remember. I mean, I was 13 years old when Michael Jordan hit the league, right? So I didn't know about cocaine and marijuana. I didn't know how prevalent drug use was in sports. I was 13 years old, you know what I mean? Huh? But it was incredible that <clears> – <throat> it was so prevalent and, and they made a little bit of fun about the bulls. I would dare to say there was more teams like that. It wasn't just the bulls because you have to remember in 84, the league had not really taken off yet. So mm -hmm. it didn't have the scrutiny that baseball had at the time, for example. And so I'm sure there were other teams that were kind of similar, you know? Um, and then how he, how Michael Jordan, made one decision and in my opinion probably changed his trajectory completely right he walked into that room and he saw cocaine and weed and hookers and he turned around and left right. if he just stayed in that room and hung out with the fellas who knows what would have happened right who knows right. if he would have been you know what we now consider one of the greatest if not the greatest basketball player of all time it's really interesting from that perspective yeah, definitely. The thing that stuck out to me on the second episode was, uh, you know, regarding Scottie Pippen, uh, you know, the owner tells him don't take that contract and he takes a seven year, $18 million contract. I mean, that is unheard of, but if you, if you watched a few minutes prior to that, you know, he had his dad and I think his grandmother living with him, living in wheelchairs like he was he you know he had responsibility his living situation kind of forced him to to make that to accept that contract not the money but the but the guaranteed security. length of it right so, the security of it right so the, you other, know, you the, gotta, the other thing too is the timing of that contract again that's right before they get the new collective bargaining agreement where again, everything just skyrockets in 92, 93, 94, when they start winning, the new TV contract comes in place, I believe in 92, and that's when salaries just explode. Yeah. It's just time. So, yeah. yeah. And um, I think the other thing that we're gonna learn as we watch this, 
you know, I'm not a LeBron basher by any stretch of the imagination. I like LeBron. But for all the people that talk about LeBron's the greatest basketball player ever, nah, man. When you just watching the first few episodes and being reminded of what Jordan was, no, I mean, it's not, it's not. And, you know, you and I have had this discussion, quite frankly, I don't know, I don't know that LeBron's number two, even. I mean, he may be three or four to me because mm-hmm. I have a great affinity for Kareem Bill Jabbar. I have a great affinity for Bill Russell. I have a great affinity for Magic Johnson. I have a great affinity for Oscar Robertson. Not to say that all four of those guys are better than LeBron, but, man, those guys, I mean, Magic Johnson transformed the point guard position. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar transformed the center position. Uh, LeBron's great. I'm not saying he's not. Um, but, but I think, I don't think he's number one. And I think this documentary is going to remind people of what Jordan was. And I think by the time, you know, five weeks from now, when we're done watching this thing, I think there's going to be a lot more people going to be like, yeah, LeBron's good, but Jordan's better. Yeah. I mean, Jordan was a, you know, he was probably the ultimate winner. And then, you know, uh, LeBron is a different specimen. I mean, 260-pound, six-foot-eight guy, right, moving the way he does. You know, Jordan wasn't that big, that fast, but he just – just it was just something about him wanting to just win. Like, nobody wants to win more than the next guy. They all want to win. But it just looks different when you compare Jordan with LeBron. It just, it just does. I yeah, mean, it does. you're right. It just, you're that. And that's the perfect phrase for it. It just looks different. Yeah. And it just looks better. I, it, I don't, I'm sure LeBron wants to win. I'm sure sure. LeBron and LeBron works very hard, but it just looks different with Jordan and, and that it looks different and it looks better. I, I don't know how to – I agree with you. I don't, I don't know how to explain it exactly. I don't have the words for it. But. And I think – and this this is a good documentary for all the LeBron, you know, supporters who, who put him over Jordan. They're probably younger than we are. Right. Okay, to begin with. So they really haven't watched Jordan, maybe on YouTube. Uh, you know, they go back and they watch his videos. But But this is good – this is really good for them to watch and appreciate, you know, not only Jordan, just how basketball looked like. Cause you're going to get a glimpse of, I think you're going to get a glimpse of the Detroit Pistons, right. And how they played and how that was, it's just a different game, you know? Right. No, and I don't, and I think the younger crowd doesn't, doesn't really see that. So I, I, I think, I think they're going to get to see that if they watch this documentary right. and, um, um, you know, at the at the end of this documentary, it's uh, you know they should remix it to the last debate. We this debate shouldn't go on any longer. It's it's done. I, you know, I, I think we'll know who's who's over the other. But um, how awesome is it that that you and I, right, or our age group, I mean, look at this bridge. We got to see Jordan in his prime. Then we move to 
Kobe Bryant in his prime, and then we moved to LeBron in his prime. Well, I mean, that, I, is, that is 30 years worth of just greatness. I'll take it one step further for me, who's 10 years older than you. I got to see Bird and Magic, right? I got uh, to see that rivalry with Worthy, Mikhail, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which, I mean, just, and Julius Irving, the tail end of Julius Irving, which is, you know, right. phenomenal basketball. And then I got to see the Pistons and the Bulls. And then I got to see Kobe and Shaq. I mean, Shaq right. is one of the most dominant players ever. And now I'm getting to see LeBron. Yeah, it, it has been and, – and each era has made the game even more popular. Basketball, you know, people won't, people won't even be able to relate to this comment. But when I was a kid, they didn't have the basketball playoffs on prime time. They had, them, they had them on tape delay at 11 o'clock at night. I used to sneak out of bed and go turn the TV on and catch a little bit of basketball because I knew about it somehow, but, but I didn't even really know what I was watching, but it was the playoffs. The playoffs right. were on tape delay at 11.30 at night on the East Coast. Imagine that. Playoffs? Yeah, imagine that. That's Damn. how – that's how lowly regarded the play the the NBA was back in the early the, the mid seventies or, or mid to late seventies. I thought you were gonna say the mid forties. <laughs> it wasn't quite around back then, um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the I'm looking forward to the rest of it. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It should um, be good. So coming up this week, we get. To me, it feels like a little bit of normalcy, right? Because we're going to get the NFL draft. Now, I know Goodell's not going to be at the podium announcing the players. The players aren't going to be the cream. They're not going to come out and hug Goodell and hold the jury. I understand it's not going to look the same. But at least it's the process of building your team, seeing what holes it had last year, how you can address those needs. There's been some movement in free agency. Here we are, finally. It looks like something like, like we're moving forward as opposed to the way life feels right now where we're just kind of sitting right. and waiting, right? So Definitely. here we are just a few days away from the draft. I know you've broken down the entire draft. You probably have the mock draft all the way through round seven or whatever, but I don't want all 260 picks. Just give me some of your thoughts about what you want to see in this draft or what you're looking forward to seeing. Well, I'm up to mock draft 27.3. So, you know, um, actually, you know what? I'm looking forward. I want to see Roger Goodell's basement because he says he's doing it from his basement. So I really want to see if this is like a, you know, like a Brooklyn, New York basement, or if this is like, you know, a million dollar basement, right? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's a million dollar basement. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see uh, John Lynch tweet out a picture of his, uh, of his setup? He's got like five monitors and three phones and stuff. It looks pretty cool. His his yeah, bathroom he, in his house looks pretty pretty neat. And I, I'm I'm guessing that's just in case you know your your, your Wi-Fi starts to buffer a little bit, right? You got you got a bunch of different gadgets going on. That's going to be the interesting part. What if a pick is coming up and there's ten seconds left, and all of a sudden the electricity goes out, your Wi-Fi blows out. What happens then? Do you have to like pick up the cell phone and and call call in your pick? 
I would guess that they have backup plans, right? Yeah, I would assume so. I would guess. I would guess everyone's sitting there with, look, those guys. You are a schmuck with no responsibilities, and you have two cell phones. I'm <laughs> sure that some NFL executive probably ponied up for three or four cell phones so that he's ready to go. You know. Yeah. Like, but here's the interesting part. Like, I I've never had two cell phones. And I, quite frankly, I don't know what I would do if I did. Right. It would be, I would get confused. I would fuck it up somehow. So I'm thinking <laughs> if it was me, if I was an NFL executive sitting at home with three, you know, three screens and two phones, I'd have to have my kid in here with me and be like, hey, man, dial up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> and, and tell them we, we got a trade proposition for. I mean, I couldn't do it all. I'd be like, you know, I, I, I would screw it up. I'd call the wrong team or call the wrong person to give him a pick or whatever, you know, I, I just, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You end up trading the wrong player with, you know, to, to you end up trading, like, let's say Derek Carr is, is on the, is, you know, might be on the, you end up trading him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by accident. Now the Bucs are stuck. Imagine the Buccaneers accidentally trade Tom Brady back to the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you that what. That would be funny. The funniest thing would be if that guy from Jacksonville gets traded before the draft and then during the draft somehow someone screws up and trades him back to Jacksonville because that dude wants no part of being in Florida. Yeah, he Yannick, don't make me pronounce his last name, please, from the Jaguars. Yeah, he, he, he definitely wants out, man. He, he, he is, uh, how shall we say, pissed off. Just a little bit. Okay, here, here's, my, here's my one question for you. And please don't tell me you don't know because I hate it when you give me that answer. Joe Burrow, is Joe Burrow with his little hands, is he going to be any good with his little hands? Is he going to be any good in the NFL? Does he really have small hands? Yeah. Is that, that the, we're out of the combine. He's got a little hands. <laughs> is that the prognosis? Um, look, the guy balled out in the – National Championship. His first name's Joe. He looked cool as Joe Montana smoking a cigar on that couch uh, post-game. Yeah. The guy got it just off of that alone. So I think he's not worried about the little hands. No, little hands. No. I, no I, look, uh, I, think he's, I think he's going to be good. I really do. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned. He's coming out of LSU. The last guy that came out of LSU taken first overall was a complete bust. Yes, but he was. He had big hands. So I, I think Joe Burrow is going to be really good. Uh, you know, obviously, you never know. Um, and really, how he gets brought along that first year is important. But We've seen all types, right? We've seen guys get absolutely hammered their first year, like Trey Aikman going to be Hall of Famers. We've seen guys get hammered that first year, like David Carr, and not pan out. So, right. and I think he's going to get hammered his first year because the Bengals are not good. Uh, but I, I think eventually he's going to be good, especially as they add pieces and whatnot. So. Yeah, uh, my honest take is um, I think he's he's gonna do pretty well. I think having a young coach, uh, as opposed to a you know a more experienced older coach, he can relate a little more. 
Joe Mixon is their running back. He's got A.J. Green, who hopefully, you know, him and the Bengals figure it out and, and you know, he stays on the team. So he'll have a few weapons to work with. Uh, if he gets picked first, uh, obviously by the Bengals, he'll be playing in his home state, which I think, you know, brings a little more comfortability, right? Your first season, yeah. you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, you don't have to worry about the logistics things with your family and all that. So right. I, I think he's going to he's gonna be all right, I think, you know. And then the guys played in the big game already. I know it's not the NFL. It's a little different. But nonetheless, it's, it's a big game, you know. It's right. an important game. And, you know, he was – he led his team. So yeah. I think he'll do all right. Really, and, and really all year. I mean, he played a huge yeah. game with Alabama during the season – and won that rather convincingly, the semifinal game and then the final game, the SEC championship game. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he had a great season all the way around. Hey, at number two, does Washington take anyone other than Chase Young? I think, I think they absolutely. Who gets fired immediately if they don't take Chase Young? They should fire the owner, Dan Snyder, but um, he or he should fire himself. But yeah, yeah I mean, that's who you absolutely take, right? Um, especially with Ron Rivera as coach, right? Defensive yeah. guy. I think one and two is a lock, unless someone you know gives up the farm for one of those spots and trades up. Uh, I think those two spots are. I, I think those two picks are. You can go ahead and write them in right now, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I agree. And then after that, it gets crazy. I'm curious, um, and I'm not going to say his entire name because I can't, but I'm, I'm really curious where Tua falls. Uh, yeah. I shouldn't say falls, where he gets selected. There's some talk about the Dolphins. There's some talk about the Chargers. There's some talk a little bit further down as well. I'm not – I'm really worried about that whole hip situation. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, he's a high risk, high reward pick, right? It's high risk because of the hip situation. But if the hip situation never becomes a situation, that's high reward because I think that kid's good. And so it'd be really interesting to see who's going who's gonna to have the stones to take him. Yeah, and, and that's a good point you make. And, I, and that's why I think – Herbert is the guy. I think Herbert's going to go before Tua at the end. Um, I think so too. And, and I think Herbert, <clears throat> you know, I think a lot of teams wanted Herbert to come out last year. Like, he was heavily scouted last year. Yeah. And he, and he chose to stay at Oregon. So, I think Herbert's the guy. Um, you know, the next quarterback taken, I, I, I think it should be, and I think it will be him. Um but I, it, this is a very top-heavy draft. Like, I, I feel like the first round, like the first 15 picks, I, I think we got some good players. Real good some players. players that yeah. can come in and make some impact. Um, yep. So, you know. Support, the, the, the latest mock draft that I saw said six, six wide receivers. Wow. That would that's be something else. I think that's the same number of players taken from Alabama in the first round that's projected. Well, that's just amazing. That's that amazing. is. If my, kid play, if my kid plays football, I want him to go to Alabama. Absolutely. Even Guaranteed first rounder. Yeah, even though I don't really like Alabama. but. 
uh, I know you're a huge Giants fan. What are we looking at for the G-Men? First off, let me say I'll be glad as a Giants fan. I'll be glad. And, and probably a lot of other fans might feel the same way of, from their favorite teams. I'll be glad once the draft has come and gone because I can't take all these different mocks. You know, obviously I'm going to follow giant stuff, but I can't take all these mock drafts and we should take a quarterback and we should trade the pick and, you know, trade the fourth pick and, you know, get three picks in returns. I, I, I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. Uh, <laughs> look, the giants are not one player away from making the playoffs, from making the Super Bowl. If the right deal comes along, they should absolutely, absolutely trade that number four pick and just stock up. I, I am a believer that the draft it can be a crapshoot sometimes, um, but they're not just one player away. Yeah. If they can get, I, I, and I and I and I think that they should build inside out. So you know, taking an offensive lineman, I think, is the way to go. They got that that big guy Wirtz from uh, from Iowa, real big guy. He looks like he can be. They were. I saw a tape on him on on Twitter. Somebody posted it. Tape on him going up against Nick Bosa with oh. Ohio State yeah, when yeah, he yeah. was in college. Wirtz was a freshman, and I mean he was handling Nick Bosa. So I think that should give you some kind of idea where this this kid is. Nick Bosa in the NFL. Protect, yeah, face up again, you know. Yeah. So you know, I mean, if 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 we believe that we we have our quarterback of the future, then we must protect our quarterback of the future. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and take an offensive lineman. Now, don't get me wrong, Simmons is. Simmons is great. He could he plays all over the field on defense, but I, I don't think we need that right now. So yeah. I'm hoping great, for linemen. We'll see. That's a great point that you make about the Giants needing more than one player. And at four, you know, you can get quite a few picks for right. that one pick. And I think I agree with you. I would personally, I would rather – I would rather shoot my shot several times in the hopes of getting two, three, four good players as opposed to shooting my shot once with the number four pick overall. So I think you make a, I think you make a very good point. You know, the more I think about it, the more I, I kind of, I kind of hope they, uh, they trade out. Yeah. yeah get we'll a bunch of, get a bunch of picks for it. This is, okay. this is definitely, I, I believe it, it's going to be make a break draft for Gettleman. I mean, depending oh, yeah. on what he oh, does, sure. this is this is really you know this is really going to you know it's going to determine his future. So we'll see. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you completely. It should be it should be quite interesting. I can't wait. You know, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to it. I, like I said, part of me feels like this is finally something normal. And so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing the draft. So. Yeah. You got anything else, bro? That's it, man. Uh, what else is coming? I mean, I haven't heard anything about basketball, baseball. Everything's kind of still on hold, you know. I think the next week or two will tell us a lot. 
yeah. as states kind of start to slowly open things up, I think we'll we'll start to get a better handle on what what sports will do. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long time. It it has been, man. It has if it, it feels like college basketball was six months ago. I know, right? Like I looked at the calendar today and I realized, man, it's April twentieth and it feels like thirty-five days. It it feels like we should be in the middle of July. Yeah. I mean this 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 stay at home thing feels like it has taken months. And um you know, I guess that's what happens when you when your world kind of gets flipped around for a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No doubt. So, you got a shout out? Uh to all the great sports fans that are sports things that are going on out there? Nah, no shout out. No shout out. I have no shout out either. Well, no, that's not true. Um my shout out goes to the WNBA, which held their draft uh, this past week, and that's Sabrina, a uh, chick from Oregon, who is just a baller, ended up with the New York Liberty. So I'm happy for them because that's a New York team, and you know I think she's I think she's gonna be awesome. That that girl is that girl can play. Did you order the jersey already? I mean, I might have a New York Liberty jersey coming. <laughs> No, I did not. But you know what I did? I ordered a pair of running shoes because I I, I need more motivation. So well, there I, you go. Make my goal 150 miles in the month of April. I am just short of 100 right now, and I have 10 days left. Five a day. That's it. I think you can do it. I think I can. I think, that's, I think you can. You can definitely do that. Yeah, that's I, I think so too. And then May has 31 days. I may push it a little further. I may go up to like 175, 180. Oh, simmer down, simmer down. I kind of want to get a 200 month, but going into the summer is going to be tough. Yeah, you should do that like in December or some shit. Exactly. Otherwise, I may freaking melt and wither away. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, well, let's right, go ahead and wrap this puppy up. Folks, if you want to share your draft thoughts, your last dance documentary thoughts with us, you can reach out to the show via email, positivesports10 at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of Alex and give him some stock tips, how do they do that? On Twitter at BrooklynGaucho1. Make sure to compliment me on my beautiful beard and how much better it looks than Ed's. Yeah, well, only in color. Certainly <laughs> not in fullness. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can do so on Twitter as well at emontana21. Share your running stories with me. Let me know your thoughts on the documentary, the draft, whatever you want. I don't care. Twitter is free. Who cares? Share your thoughts. Uh, as always, folks, ignore the negativity. Feed the positivity. Peace.